like you know about the accident. And um, let's not talk. No, let, let's get to the podcast. And I'm fucking. I'm, I always do this. I knew we'd do it with you. You asked me. The recording. Yeah. Right. We're just going to carry on. So today on the oh. Timana podcast show, we've got Sean. Up. Sean, just pronounce your surname, dude, because it always does me head in. Gallagher, mate. It's not that hard. <laughs> Gallagher. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sean, just tell people what you do. Um, I teach functional, realistic self-defense and personal safety and awareness based on how we will really react in a high stress situation not based on what you may learn in a safe environment so the thing what i do is i take it straight down to the basics these are the realities of violence and this is how your body will naturally act in a high stress situation based on millions of years of evolution so why why did you get into this in the first place? What was the what was your thing that you, you know I want to put these courses on? I want to teach people. What was the? Um, well, I was a professional bodyguard for over twenty seven years, full time. This is all I've done, and what I learned originally in all the martial arts and qualifications I've got did not work in a high stress situation, and so I started looking at why didn't these why didn't these techniques work? Why did I react in a certain way? So I started really studying the physiology, the psychology of high stress situations once I had a really bad accident and because of what was happening in my professional career. And I retired from the full-time bodyguard. I retired from my client uh, three years ago, two years ago, and sitting at home and people were asking me to write your piece of courses for their courses they were asking my advice or stuff asking me if I'd come down and do a little section of a talk and Angie my wife who's a recognized martial artist she's a seafood of Chinese martial arts she has BTEC level three in uh, advanced um, self-defense she trains women's only classes and she deals with women's charities so you're looking at rape crisis uh, domestic abuse charities different women's charities around the country mainly in the London and Essex area and she was saying to me that what these women are being taught and what really happens are two very different things. What are they being taught? <sighs> One word, bullshit. You know, they're just, they're just teaching. I mean, if I put a room full of women and said, what's a vulnerable area of a, of a man? They're all going to go, oh, he's nuts. Hit him in the nuts. It's just nonsense. It's nonsense. You know, a vulnerable area in a man, the same as vulnerable area in the women. Eyes, nose, throat, solar plexus. Women are constantly taught by people who don't know what they're talking about. Go straight for the nuts. Well, it's not that simple. You know, you're in a street, you know, when you're in a street, you're walking home from work or you just left a club, you're slightly intoxicated. For example, you know, you're in your nice dress or your nice skirt, you've got your high heels on and someone goes to attack you. Your first instinct is to lift the leg up and try and kick them. While you're slightly intoxicated, while you're wearing a skirt and you're in high heels. Well, the definition of attack is someone's coming at you. If you lift a leg up and someone comes at you, you're going over. You've just taken away your stability. And when you look at all the martial arts I've trained, and I've, I think we worked out the other day, was it eight or nine I've trained since the age of nine when I started doing martial arts. Everyone starts with your grounding, your foundation, your footwork, stability. But all of a sudden we're teaching these young ladies that in a high stress situation when you're going through the freeze or you know the fight or flight scenario 
your body wants to fight or it wants to run, lift a leg up. And like, we, we have had quite highly trained women come into our, our club. And we've had a woman, I won't tell you what her, her profession is, but she said, I got attacked on the street by a man. And she said, I must have kicked him in the groin seven or eight times, she said, seven. Didn't stop him, and it won't stop him. It won't stop him because when we go through the high stress situation, people seem to forget that the attacker is also going through that adrenaline dump. And anybody who knows, was bother take two minutes to look at what happens during the adrenaline dump in the body. We're designed to absorb so much more pain. There's scientific studies into adrenaline dump that show you can have to up to 40% more strength than you would have naturally. Hence why you hear all these stories about women lifting this you know, heavy object off a kid and all this sort of stuff. This is scientific study. This isn't Sean saying this. These are scientific facts. Now, if you kick someone in the nuts and you don't break that pelvic bone, they're not going to stop. It may delay them. It may slow them down. But statistically, based, in, based on the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women that we train, what would you say, 75, 80% of them have gone for the nuts? Every single one of them, and it's every single one of them, has turned around and told us it didn't stop the attack. Some said it delayed them slightly. Majority of them turned around and said it made the attacker more violent. So when you hear these stories and you look at the physiological changes in the body, the adrenal dump, if you understand what adrenaline does to the person, we can absorb so much pain. Well, the attacker's going through that. So you can absorb that pain. Unless you've actually caused an actual injury, it's not going to stop the attack. Also, a lot of them said it, I ended up on the floor. And you're like, uh, the 70 percent said it didn't work. They said it, it ended up on the floor. You don't want to be on the floor. You know, so we teach, we, when I look at self-defense and I teach self-defense, I start off with situational awareness avoidance. And if you can't avoid it, get away from it. We then need to look at de-escalation communication. Creating space, hands back, not shouting and screaming with your hands extended, hands back, trying to remain calm, keeping your heart rate down and keeping the potential attacker's heart rate down. And if you can't de-escalate and communicate your way of it, then yes, then you have to go physical. But don't start messing about with these over-technical techniques which will not work in a high-stress situation. And science backs this up again, because if a heart rate goes above about 145 beats per minute, now this is a very unusual setting for me, so my heart rate's probably near there already, you're only left with gross motor skills. So we have fine, complex, and gross. The heart rate reaches about 145 beats per minute, we're left with gross motor skills, large movements. Yeah, nothing technical. If you start screaming and shouting, our heart rate goes up. The attacker's heart rate goes up. We get to about 175 beats per minute, we look at cognitive breakdown, which means we can't act rationally. We can't think or act rationally. So we're not going to do any rational movements. We're not going to be looking for our exit route. Which Anybody is gets a tactic going straight to 175, oh, though, aren't Easily. They? Easy. Easily. I mean, you know, the, the, the people who teach this stuff, I've, I've done 
You said eight or nine. I can't. I, I'm trying. Just to let them know when Chunky's looking off camera, we're looking at Ange just to sort of solidify because, like, she's really the expert. Just to let you know. Bye. Yeah, the boss is sitting in the corner, so I keep looking at the boss. So, <laughs> um, when we get to a high stress situation, and, I, and as I was saying, I've trained in numerous martial arts since the age of nine, and I'm 53 this year. So you can do the maths, and never once. As my instructor, my Sifu, my sensei, talked about what will actually happen to you if you're attacked in the street. Now, and also, look at most attacks in the streets are ambush. No one walks up and goes, right, I'm going to, I'm going to mug you now. Right, I'm going to strangle you now. These are ambush attacks. Our heart rate is going to go through the roof. I'm yeah, really just, even when you trained us in there, and you was like, you know, you did that thing with us, even though you were behind us and strangling us, and we knew it was coming, you fucking hell fire. Mm. I can't even imagine what it'd be like getting ambushed or attacked, yeah. like you didn't know. And we had discussed exactly what I'm going to do to you for two or three minutes before. Yeah, yeah, cheese, yeah. Yeah, so, really, if people want to teach you how to survive in a street scenario, we need to look at how we all react in a high-stress situation. And the only way we can try and control how we react in these high stress situations is to train as realistic as possible. Don't spend months and months and months doing air work if you're training for the street. If you're training to an art, an art form, by all means, follow the system. But whatever you learn in these sterile environments, these, these gyms, the dojos, the crews, wherever you train, if you want to protect yourself in the street or at home, I don't, you know, depending what your private life is or what your professional life is, what you learn must be transferable to those environments. If it isn't, and you're learning an art or a system to protect yourself in that environment, you're wasting your time and you're gonna find yourself in a world of problems in a real situation. So this is why you set up a victor, because of the, the bullshit that was being, that's being it's, it's, taught you know, to people. I knew the bullshit was being taught because, you know, as a professional bodyguard for years, you discuss things with people all over the world. You know, I've been privileged, so privileged to work and just sit down and talk to and train. What people. type of things were you doing, Sean? Just give us a, I know you said to me, but just what, what, what were you bodyguarding? What kind of sort of like, what were you doing? Mainly corporate, yeah. um, multi-multi-billionaires. Um, but the byproduct of that is because I was full time employed by these people, you'd get the one a better uh, description pimped out. They go, Oh, right, you know, well, Sean's available that weekend because I don't need him, so you can use him. So I'd end up with some of the biggest celebrities in the world. All right, Sean, you know, the jet's coming in, uh, could you organize a driver? And I'll need you to look after him. Oh, who is it? Oh, it's a friend of mine. You put up at the airport, JLo's just walking off the plane with her husband you know, or, you know, the Kardashians come in and you end up working with these people. And, it, it, you know, I've been very privileged. You know, everything I've ever done was all through a recommendation. I've worked with someone and said, you need to call this person. You know, it's, it's, I've been very lucky, but I'm out of it now. But when you say very lucky, there's only a certain amount of luck in where Sean's identity and Sean's personality comes into. It's not about luck, mate, is it? It's about you as a person. Yeah, do you know what my biggest advantage was for me? Looking back, for want of a better description, I'm not a star fucker. Yeah. I don't care who you are, what you do. I don't care your celebrity. I don't care how much money you got. This is what I'm employed to do. This is what I do, pay me in the month. And that's it. 
and then I come home to my wife and my daughter. And that's all I cared about. This is my job. So many, the industries got ruined, in my opinion. The SIA messed up the, the close protection industry. But then, if you look at any bodyguard forms, any close protection forms, there's these people who actually, you can see it, they want to be the celebrity. Well, the, your, your job is the man in grey. We used to call it the man in grey. And you used to stand in the background, let them do what they want to do. And depending on the risk, you move closer to your principal. If you see someone approaching your principal, you move closer. It's the same we teach self-defense and situation awareness. Create space because you can see more. If you're up next to me threatening me, I need to create space because then I can assess what's going on. I can see the palms of your hand. It's no different. All these people standing shoulder to shoulder with celebrities because they want to be in the pat picture so they can send it and put it on their networking videos. Step back, you'll see more. Look at the big picture. And then you can assess and if you have to move in, you move in. And that's the way I teach my self-defense. It's the way I teach. I don't teach martial arts anymore. I teach what I call street defense, self-defense, or even combatives when I'm bringing knives, sticks, even the firearms training I do. Um, I took it, I look at it as a whole. Personal safety is personal safety. So when you'd finished the bodyguard and you knew that your time was up, did you? When you, were you like, look, I need some No, um, I've, bear in mind, Angie and I have been together 20 years. Yeah. For 20 years, I've been at home well, for 18 of those 20 years, I've been at home probably maximum four, six nights a month, wasn't it? Yeah, about Wow. About that. Yeah, which, you know, I'm living in hotels and doing this and doing that, you know, that's hard on Angie. But I was getting paid a hell of a lot of money, you know, and unfortunately you've got to do what I always said I'm going to retire young. Um, then I promised Angie one day that I guarantee, I promise I'll retire at 50. Now, you'll never hear me make a promise that I don't keep, ever. And as soon as I hit 50, I retired, to the day. Um, you do, I think that's what I think I do like about you, you are a man of your word. <sighs> yeah, I know, but mate, it's, yeah, I know, but it's so fucking gone this day and age. Nobody keeps the word anymore. It's They'll do rare. broken promises. They'll do what's it just, it's just, um, I've done, there's one thing I really, really like about you, mate. Really like about you. Um, I think, I think, there's, there's a guy we met in France sitting in a coffee shop. Now Angie always takes, makes a, a joke of it. My daughter did as well, but they do the same as me now. So when we met, if we go to a restaurant, I'm sitting in the middle of the room or my back's to the door, I'll leave. I'll say, I can't sit there. Okay, it's a coffee shop. doesn't matter where we are. So at the moment, I've got a door to the side of me. You'll see me, I'll keep looking at the door. And it's just the way I am. Okay, it's for years and years of doing the job and the training, the people I've associated with. So we went to the coffee shop, a time at coffee shop. I said to Angie, I'll grab the coffees. And um, she went, I'll get a seat in. So I'll walk around the coffees. She goes, I suppose you want to see here so you can see the door and the, and the side. I went, yep, perfect. She makes a little joke, she always does, but she totally understands it because she does the same. And this guy sitting across from me with his wife, and five minutes into it, he just went, hi. I went, hi, how you doing? He went, do you live here? I said, no, no, we're looking for a house to buy. And we started chatting, he went, so who, do you, who were you trained by? 
And I, I spent most of my life not telling people what I did for a living. So what do you mean? He said, oh, I can tell by the way you are, by the way you take, the way you act, you're trained. Well, I said, if you think I'm trained, then you must be trained. And we just like conversation, like we just chat him. About 45 minutes later, they're inviting us to see their new house in France. I'm like, it could be an axe murder, mate, I'm not doing you. We started joking. Turns around, an American couple, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. And we started talking, he goes, you know what I like about you? He says, you're just old school. Yeah. He says, you have old school principles. He said, I love the way you are with your wife, the way you talk, but what you're talking about is just about respect. Mm. And he said, uh, what you just said, he goes, I know you're a man of your word. Yeah, yeah. And we've become really good friends. I mean, he's in California now, but he's, uh, he's got a house in France. We talk it to each other once or twice a week. And it's just what you're saying, just be real. You know, so don't try and be someone you're not. And if you're gonna say you do something, fucking do it. And if you don't do it, have a good fucking reason why you're not doing it. You know, because it's rare. Yeah, really rare. And everybody's saying it now, it's so rare to yeah. meet a genuine person. And I, I hope I come across as genuine. It's, it's the same as I teach. I, I won't teach anything I've got no experience in. You know, you got there's a lot of instructors out there, especially around our way. And, you know, we're competing against them. But when you look in their backgrounds and all that, they've done a weekend self-defense course. They've done, yeah. you know, they've gone and done a four-day, you know, instructor course, and they're teaching. And you know, you've got no background. What you're talking about, you've got no experience in. You're not genuine. You're not real. You're, you're aping, you're mimicking. You know, that's how apes learn. They watch something and they mimic it, and exactly how they do it. Humans are different. We learn through questioning, we learn through teaching. Yeah. We learn through experiences. Um, and that's what I say to everybody, you know, oh, you've got to do this. Okay, it's fine. You can train who you want, but make sure that person really knows what they're talking about. Tell me, tell me, and I'm going to fucking switch things here, but tell me, I don't know why, but tell me about that accident. You briefly told the me. The accident. The accident. <laughs> you briefly told me about it before. Oh, Angie's here. She hates When, when were it? 23, 24 years ago. Um, just got back into the country. Uh, I was walking down the road with two friends on the pavement, not down the road. Um, heard a noise, turned, saw a car on the pavement coming at me. I just assumed the position. Um, it hit me, police forensics say about 69, 70 miles per hour. It sent me 30 odd feet through the air. I hit a load of railings by a park. And then it hit me again, pushed me through the railings and ended up um, the rear wheel, I think, or the front wheel was on the nape of my neck. Um, didn't lose consciousness, no pain. This is the thing that, you know, I talk about high stress adrenaline. You know, I got hit by a car, I didn't feel any pain. No pain at all. Because of that dump? The dump, you know, we're designed to survive. Um, so all I remember is hearing people screaming and shouting. Um, and then a friend of mine who was with me, Alan, he's been like one of my closest friends since the age of 14, 15, still is. Um, he was shouting at Sean, where's Sean? And I was trying to mumble something. And it was Alan and a witness who stopped, a taxi driver, I think it was, or a bus driver, who stopped the car. It was a hit and run, by the way. The driver got out and ran away. Um, they pretty much wheeled the car off me. And I remember just slumping over like this. No idea if I was on a pavement or in a field. I was told I was laying on the railings 30 feet away, halfway down a slope in the park. Um, 
Yeah, the, the strongest sensation I've got from it is the taste of blood. Couldn't see anything. My the scar here, which is a plastic surgery, goes right across the eye down to my cheek. Um, apparently, my eyes were full of blood. Uh, the the my eye was hanging out of the sock because it had all been split open. Um, I couldn't see anything, and then I, my body just started shutting down. When I say it started shutting down, um, the big sensation I had that I can remember, it was like, <laughs> it was like someone walking around a large house and turning one light switch off at a time. And that was it, it just, that's, that's all I can describe it as, that's how it felt. But again, no time did I feel any pain. So all I could hear was screaming, shouting, um, and it was panic. Like Alan, bless him, He's, um, he just, all I can remember is him shouting, no, 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 that's what he kept saying. And as I was switching down, and it's clear, the thought in my head is as clear as it is now. What about my girl? I think, what about Harley, what about my girl? And the change in my sensation, how I felt, I can't describe it, you know? It's just imagine someone has shot a load of adrenaline into your body, EpiPen, 10 of them. And all those, I was tasting blood, I couldn't see anything, and I just started, they say shouting at Alan, or saying, Alan, calm down, calm down, explain my injuries, explain my injuries, describe my injuries. And I got him, I got him to take his shirt off, he didn't want to take his shirt off, he was asking for someone else's shirt, I think it must have been his favourite shirt. <laughs> but, um, and telling me, where am I bleeding from, you need to stop the bleeding. Um, what the other injuries, but I was wearing a leather jacket at the time and he couldn't see all the extent of all the other injuries on my body, but apparently my skull was pretty much visible. Yeah, apparently it weren't good. Um, and he patched me up and then I said to him, I'm gonna pass out now, see you later. And I passed out. The next thing I remember, the paramedics sliding all the metal plates underneath me, collars going on, and then being in the ambulance and then trying to keep me awake. Don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep. Wake up, Sean, keep going, keep going. Wake up, Sean. Uh, and talking to me, apparently it's fantastic. Um, the other thing I remember is, um, you know, you see in the movies, and they're like, in the movie, they're wheeling this guy down the, uh, the corridor. Cool, right? The lights. The lights yeah, not... that happens. 100% that happens. So, um, and then, then, yeah, and it was like a pump full of morphine and everything. Um, the hardest bit for me, was when you hear my family coming in and then like they pulled the curtains around me. Now because I couldn't say anything, everything swelled up, I I jaw damage. Could you could you you couldn't see him, you couldn't talk. I couldn't you could see hear him, him. couldn't talk, but I could hear everything. Um and they pumped me full of morphine in and out of the x-rays and they pulled a curtain. I remember saying to my mum and dad, you know, he's got serious head injuries. Um, and he's got spinal injuries. We, he's going back to the full x-ray, but all we can tell you that if he walks again... You heard that? Oh, I heard it all. I heard it all. If he walks again, it'll be a while. But be prepared. He's probably going to have some brain injury and spinal injury. Now, I, I talk about this a lot, not about this actual incident, but I talk about people around you are important in life, okay? Now, obviously you can imagine my 
my mindset's gone to shit now. Right, I'm paralyzed, I'm front row brain injury. I know my face is fucked. Um, you know, that's it. My life's over sort of thing. But then I keep thinking about my daughter again. And then um, I remember hearing the curtains drawn. Now my four sisters were there at the time. And I think it was my oldest sister, Margaret. I felt some, well, I still have my shoes on. I think they've cut my top off or something, but I still have my shoes on. I felt someone doing the laces on my shoes. Now, it was my dad, because I remember my sister going, not many people remember this, but I remember it quite clearly. My sister going, Dad, what are you doing? Now, he'd just been told I might not walk again. And my dad turned around, and I hear it as clear as day, when my boy walks out of here, he's gonna need his shoes. He'll lose them if he walks out of here. My boy's not walking. <laughs> and you know what? That stuck in my head. And it's that positive reinforcement. Yeah. That my, my dad's probably one of the most positive people I've ever met, I've ever known. You've got to agree, don't they? He's absolutely positive. And um, it's just that. Yeah. This is quite, it's just that that one word, that one sentence. And I'm laying on the bed going, yeah, fuck this. No, I can't speak. I'm wheeled off back to there. I'm on morphine. And it must be about two or three hours later, I've got out of my bed and I've walked out to the waiting room. Found my bed. No, I'm off my head on morphine, okay? I've walked out and um, I'm there chatting now to my brother-in-law. He's asking me if I need any clothes, Rob, my dad. They all look at me like this. Now bear in mind, I'm fucking patched up. I'm, I'm on this thing. And they come running out, having to go to my family for taking me out in the waiting room. And my dad, that boy walked out and I go, he can't. He said he did. He said, even if he could, he can't. He's on too much morphine. And I stood up. And then, I'm, then it's all a bit of a blank after that. Um, I remember going in and out, operation. Basically my injuries were spinal injury, pelvic injury, neck fractured in two places. I mean, I was a collar for ages, walking out into a kind of, um, I have temporary paralysis on my right arm, on my right side, um, plastic elbow, elbow got sheared off, the muscles and ligaments were ripped off. They've been reattached with plastic. I think I'm on my third operation now. Um, four cracks in the skull, frontal lobe brain injury. So even though I could talk at the accident, my speech went. And then I had to sort of re reteach myself to speak again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Every time I speak, I spoke, it felt like my tongue was completely swollen in my mouth. Um, loads of physio. Uh, Hospital were fantastic. Uh, collarbone was completely gone, cracked down here. I mean, numerous, numerous injuries. Uh, uh, life changing, not life changing, you know, some people, uh, horrendous injuries. I mean, life changing to the point of I'm in pain all the time. Um, but yeah, surround yourself with the right fucking people. I mean, a physio for a long time, neurologists, um, if that's the right word, people who want to see how my mental state was after, because apparently after, Severe front lobe brain injury rage is a big thing, apparently. <laughs> You've definitely got that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Oh. I mean, but to be honest, I think it, it was like that before the accident, weren't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What were you What were you doing at the time? What we What What were you working? So I was I was a professional bodyguard at the time, but I'd just taken a year out because I was going through court for my daughter. So parental responsibilities. Yeah. Um, um, 
so I, I, I think my daughter's mother wanted to go to Dubai or something uh, with my daughter and I didn't want her to go because me and my daughter are very close. We start, we, we, we talk every day, me and my daughter. And she's 30 last week. And um, I took time off to go through courts. So I'd actually been working on film sets. So one of my friends, Billy Budd, who I was on the circuit, was the bodyguarding circuit with, uh, contacted me and went, I hear you're back in the UK. Went, yeah, yeah, so I'm back. He went, I'm working on Band of Brothers. What's that? You know, it's just huge thing with Spielberg and Tom yeah, Hanks. It meant that, wasn't it? Huh? It meant that. Such a good series, that. Yeah, so um, he said, look, come on, come down. So I was like, I thought, oh, I'll go down and see Billy. Uh, went down there. Um, I don't know, I don't know, airfield. I can't remember the name of the airfield now. And um, I met Dale Dyer, famous American actor. Done all the platoon movies and everything. Started chatting. He went, all right, can you handle a firearm? I said, yeah, we're World War II. And I went, what, M1 Grand? He went, yeah. So next thing you know, I'm working on two, uh, not, two a band of brothers for seven months and they were great. Everybody there was fantastic. Time off when I needed to go to court. And um, then I worked on Tomb Raider for about two and a half, three months, Angelina Jolie. Um, then I did Spooks, all weapons stuff. Yeah. Um, and then just as I was getting really like, all cool, um, cool, I've got my name and Harley's, you know, Corinne's boss, please, piece of paper. And um, do right, get back into work and got hit by the car. What, for what theories have you come up with? Well, this is the thing, okay? So, the Metropolitan Police, the car was right, part of the axle was in my back. Fucking um, hell. Yeah, so my, I kept telling people, something in my back, something in my back, and I went, oh, no, no, there's not, you're fine. So I got my dad on his car, and he's felt, and I'm, I just kept like mumbling back, my back, because the speech was getting worse and worse and worse as my time's going on. And um, he slid his hand under the plates on the bed and pulled out <coughs> what he described as part of an axle from a so-and-so, this is the rubber collar, blah, 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 I don't know what it was. But anyway, the um, part of the car was down here, the engine was over there, so the police lifted the car up, put it in the low loader, took it to the secure police pound. The car disappeared. So, no statements were done for months and the police came to my house eventually and <laughs> the exact words of the senior police officers were, oh, we call it a black hole period. Now at this time my speech was shocking. So a friend of the family was there, so he was like saying, so you've got a car that can't be driven, that needed to be taken on the back of a lorry to the police pound in East London and someone had gone into the police pound with a, a lorry with a crane on it, loaded that car up and driven it out of the secure police pound about three days after the incident. And there was no record of it, no CCTV footage, nothing. So, it, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. We don't know what happened. We don't know if it was a hit and run intentionally. We don't know if it's a piss head. We, we don't know nothing. We, we don't know anything. We don't know what happened. The police lost the car out of a secure police pound. Did it drive you mad, that, not knowing? Did it do for a while and then you've come to terms with it? Or? Um, do you know what? The, the, before the accident, yeah, after the accident, 
Now, laying on the pavement dying will change your outlook on a lot of things. My tolerance level for whingy, stupid people is worse than it's ever been. Because life's not that hard, mate. Get off your ass if I can do so. Um, but other times, things that are out of your control, let it go. Yeah. We pushed and put, it was five years going through court uh, just to get a mini school payout. Um, if I was in America, I'd have been retired for life. Um, I got enough out of this payment to um, take my daughter to Florida and put her through private schooling. It's probably one of the best things I've ever done. Um, yeah, I can't control it. Why, why am I, you know, if I look back at it now, you're like, oh, dickheads. And you've got to move on. You know, you, I say this to everybody, you cannot change the past. What I said 30 seconds ago, I can't take back, it was said. So live for today, forget about yesterday, and move forward. And it's what you've got to do. You know, we, we, Angie deals with some women who've had horrendous experiences. I mean, fucking horrendous, you know. She's dealt with young girls who've been gang raped. She's women who've been physically abused, sexually abused, repeatedly psychologically abused. But you can't change what happened. I don't get unless you're, you know, Mac Fly and you've got a car and you go back in time and change anything, which you haven't. So you need to deal with it. I'm not saying get over it, but you need to find a way of dealing with it, and you need to live your life because you can't live in the past. And that's and that's how I deal with it. I like. I've got a bit of a fuck it mentality now. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, I've got a bit of a fuck you mentality as well. Um, as, Angie, as Angie says quite a bit, you know, people just talk complete shit sometimes or whinge constantly or they're negative. I can't stand negative people. Yeah. Um, I just walk away. She goes, oh, you're so rude. Yeah, I'm like that. I can't handle it. I, I can't. It's either go, go fuck yourself or I just go, yeah, right, and I'll, I'll just remove yourself from that situation. Just remove yourself from that situation. Yeah, I think that's the, probably the biggest thing that you've undertaught me when you've come in is just to remove yourself from a situation. You know, just it's just I think it's the, my goal too now. Just to remove yourself mm. from the situation, not get angry about it, not what's it. If mm. anybody come, approaches what's it, just remove yourself from the situation. It, it, and that's self defence. Yeah. Don't be there. Just remove yourself and. It's about awareness, and it's not just about awareness of the other person, it's about awareness of me as well. I know that this is going to trigger me, remove yourself. Yeah. Just get out, because I'm going to say something that everybody else thinks is rude, and I'm going to think, oh, fucking, that was due. How do you, con with all the training you've got and stuff like that, obviously, you know, you can be a bit not edgy, how do you, how do you control that? Breathe. Do you? Breathe, create space and breathe. When something's really triggered you. Yeah, I've always found, I've been in some, some horrendous situations, guys putting knives on these, really bad situations in South America. And everything seems to slow down a bit for me and I'm actually very comfortable in a bad situation. What people see as a bad situation, I seem to find, find myself quite comfortable. Um, and it's, it's hard to describe, and I'm, there's, there's guys out there, the people I socialise with, your ex-special forces, British, American, now these guys have been there, seen it done. They're a special type of people. You know, I speak to people like Jim Johnson a lot of time. He's ex SAS for uh, 14 years. He's been there, seen it done, Ginge. And, you, and he's got the calmest guy you'll ever meet. Lofty Wiseman. He's an SAS legend. You talk to these people and they're just chilled. 
So a different you know, frequency. Yeah. And they're my mentors. These people, you know, my friend in France who's ex-Navy SEAL, just one of the nicest people ever meet. You learn a lot from talking to people. You learn a lot by sharing experiences with people. Um, I've done extreme desert survival. And a couple of times I've just... What's, what in, what's, does that involve? <laughs> um, well, Angie calls it, calls insanity. But it's... Um, you know, you, you go with these specialist trainers, you'll turn up and you go, for example, Arizona desert. You'll have a hundred kilometers to cover in, they'll give you six days. So they give you an old 1980s, it's come off a 1980s fax machine. It's an old black and white, really distorted topographical map. And there'd be like a group of five of you. And all from different backgrounds, you've all signed up. So what they do is go, right, you can only have the clothes on your back. And anything you have with you, you're very limited anyway. You might have a wooden blanket, you might have um, a jacket, a woolly hat, wherever it goes, because it, it's, it's cold in the, in the high desert at night time. And they'll check you, go, right, you've got your boots, you've got your, your trousers, your um, combat sign, you've got a shirt. You've got two empty water containers, we're called quartz. And you tie them around your neck with a piece of uh, paracord or something. I go, these topical math, these are endpoint, go. You've got six days. So you imagine you signed all these waivers. And There's always someone monitoring you from the background who you'll meet up with at certain points. And you go and you try and find it, but you don't plan your route based on, especially in the desert, you don't plan your route based on A to B. You've got to plan your route based on where you think you may find water. So if I'm going, it's not just finger straight line, okay? I need to head to that point now. That's gonna take me six days. I need water. So you plan your route around water. Um, I've done that a couple, a couple of times now, at least, two or three times. Love it. No mobile phones, in the desert. Sleeping under, you know, low hanging branches or in your in the low desert, there's none of that. So you're just laying out. What's the reason for it? Personal development, what's what was what was the reason for you doing that? I've always loved that stuff. That's that's my yoga. Right. That's that's my Zen. You know, pushing myself, but I love nature. I mean, you know, sort of there's a stage in my life when I was living abroad and I was young, I didn't wear shoes. One of them. I still now if I'm in the garden I've got no shoes or anything and I just think I should have been a caveman or something and yeah. I love nature I love pushing myself and I truly believe you need to experience these things if you want to discuss these things you want to share knowledge and your knowledge your knowledge should be first hand your knowledge shouldn't be someone else's knowledge and they put it in a book yeah agreed I'm reading, I'm reading about this person's experiences and I'm trying to talk about like they're mine yeah. they're not Learn it for yourself because you and I could do exactly the same thing and it would be a different experience. Yeah. You know, and I talk about people teaching martial arts or learning martial arts self-defense. What works for me won't work for you because physical differences, mental differences, we're all very individual. This is why we're all special. You're special in more ways than one probably. Correct. But, because no one can ever be you. Yeah. No matter how hard I try, I'll never be Tim Minor. Yeah. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be me. Yeah. We can do exactly the same things, word for word. You're never going to do it like that. And I'll never do it like you. So I think life is about experiences, real experiences, not reading someone's book. If, if someone says to me, read the book, 
I'm going to look up this person to see if they're doing a lecture. I'm going to see if I'm going to meet them. You know, there's phenomenal people in America teaching. Um, we've written books on violence. Uh, who are teaching self-defense. Books are great. Yeah. But I want to meet that person. I want to try and push the boundaries. You know, you want to talk about... You know, you want to talk about these guys from the Special Forces, the SAS, the SEALs. Don't just read a book. These guys are, do these guys are doing courses. Go and meet these people. It's how I met Ginge years and years ago. The guy's a legend. He's just such a nice guy. Isn't he? And he's, he's got so much information now about awareness, about safety, mm. about what really works in a high stress situation, and also how you should train. No one wants to train properly. You know, martial arts, the West has watered down martial arts to make it more saleable, you know, to make it more commercial. And I think we need to get back to basics if you want to defend yourself in a violent situation. Everybody should know should they not. Everybody should know how to look after themselves. Even if they just get the foundations right, should they not? Every, everybody, everybody should know how to look after themselves and their loved ones. And everybody should learn first aid. Do you know what I mean? They used to say years ago, oh, everybody should learn how to swim. But everybody should learn how to look after themselves. We're not all hanging around water. Yeah. You know, everybody should understand awareness and safety. Everybody should understand how they communicate and how their body language, how that affects the person they're dealing with. Um, and everybody should learn first aid. It should be taught in schools. Awareness should be taught in schools. You know, where we're, we're living in a society now where it's a blame game. Everybody wants to blame someone else for something. Yeah. It's like, we work with Essex Police at the moment and they advertise, so let's please get people, young lady, it's for, uh, it's for women. And their SS police approached us, he said, we want to work <coughs> with you, you've got these qualifications, that's what we're looking for. You've got these experiences, we know, they've done a full check on us, who we work with, what we teach. They've come down and look at the programs that I've written, the CPD courses that I write. And they've just approached us and said, look, we want to work with you. So they bring women down and pretty much, it's a women's class, so it's Angie's class and I'm in there from the background of real violence. You know, how it's worked for me in the street and what didn't work for me and why didn't work. Don't look, well, you shouldn't learn just what works, you should learn what doesn't work as well. And um, they advertised it. And there were so many comments from people going, I shouldn't have to learn this, this stuff. Men should learn how not to make women feel intimidated. Men should learn that they shouldn't walk behind us in the street. I go, okay. However, your safety is your responsibility. We will never remove the predator, ever. The predator, be it male or female, it doesn't, it's irrelevant. The predator will always be in society. The nutter, the paedophile, the psycho. We're not going to remove them from society, you know. You know, most of them nowadays, let's be honest, most of them nowadays just give a slap on the back of the wrist. You know, you're not going to remove it. So you need to be more aware and you need to take responsibility for your actions. You need to take responsibility for your own safety. You are responsible for <coughs> When you get to a certain age, your parents are responsible up to a certain age. But once you start venturing out on the street on your own, you are responsible. And you can't use the blame game. 
it's, you know, we, we're full of excuses. You know, we have a big sign in our gym where we do personal training for people. Be stronger than your excuses. And we live in a society now, everybody wants to blame someone else. Everybody thinks they're entitled to something. You're not. You want something, you've got to work for it. It's that simple, in my opinion. What, what is next for Evictus then? I mean, when I started, you started talking then about doing that, would you not consider putting retreats on like that over in France where you are taking people into the wild and, and teaching and get back to nature and the self-defence and stuff as well? Because I feel that there's a lot of people are missing that in their lives, mate. So, the plan is, yeah. okay, we are moving to France. The... The club we have on South End Seafront, that's being taken over by one of our senior instructors who's trained in our instructor training program for over a year. He's now qualified, he's passed that. He's quali qualified to teach everything we teach, but more importantly, the way we teach it and the ethos behind what we teach. So the psychology, the anatomy, yeah. how, you know, bring that into your training. He, Leo, he's, he's a phenomenal martial artist. He's recognised by the Martial Arts Hall of Fame. He's just been nominated to the Black Belt Hall of Fame. He trains in eight martial arts. He, he, teaches, in he teaches five different arts, including um, Viking combatives, Kali, all this other stuff. Phenomenal. One of the best martial arts I've ever met. He was recommended to come and see me by his instructor. Because I think something happened on the street and... It was either with his, his three, one of his three lovely girls or it was to him and he doubted his skill. He I didn't realise he was going to act in this way. And his instructor said, go and get in contact with a guy called Sean Gallagher. He's not far from where you live. Try and get in contact with him and train with him. Liam's been training with me for two years now. And Liam did a really, really nice um, referral about us. And he said he just changed the way he's thought about everything. His skill set's there but you just made it more real, more functional for a street threat. Do you stop and give yourself time to think how many lives you've changed, both you and Ange? I know Ange probably does, but do you, because like... No, I don't, I don't really think about it. Why? Um, you, because I'm not... I see a soft side to you, Sean, that other people don't see, and I, I know it's there. I fucking <laughs> know it's there, right? But do you ever do you ever do you ever soften your heart a little bit and just in that moment kind of realise what you what you're doing for people? I don't, but we at the front of our training space we have a coffee shop. We set that it's it's not really it's not open to the public at the moment. Um, Liam will open to the public when he sets up his own training thing. But we had it purely so the women that Angie train and the people can come in and sit down and meet us first. Not you know, trains a very intimidating thing. And, you know, statistically, from the time of someone thinks they want to train to the time they train, especially for people with a background of being violently attacked or someone who's slightly overweight or body conscious, from the time they decide they want to train to the time they actually go in and train, is up to eight months sometimes. Because it's an intimidating environment yeah. workout. Yeah, right, you yeah, know yeah. It's like. yeah, yeah. Um, so we sat in this little coffee area. The time it hits home is when like a lot of these people realise that me and Angie are moving abroad, um, is when they turn around and go, you've changed my life. Um, this, this is my sanctuary. You've changed my outlook on life. You've changed 
my personality with regards to I'm a lot stronger. What's the thing they use? Empowerment. Empowerment. The course we did. What a feeling that is for people, eh? Well, yeah. What, and, what a word. And, and that was Angie's drive. She said, I want to give back. Because Angie'd been from a situation where her mother was, you don't mind me saying, her mother was domestically and violently abused. Uh, Angie grew up in that environment. And she said... So that's always been your why, Angie? Why you're doing this? Yeah, I think... And the bullying. Yeah, I, I wanted to help women like my mum, what my mum went through and the struggles that she had. Um, and so I, that's the, one of the reasons why I wanted to teach women and women's only, because I wanted to help um, others that have been through what my mum... It's a powerful why, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's a huge why. I mean, I, you know, I've got four sisters, and, you know, growing up here, the nonsense that they were taught, or the experiences they've had. But when you have this woman sit down, and they're nearly in tears going, you have changed my life for the better. You've made me more confident. I'm empowered. I feel I can get out into the real world now. Um, we've got young ladies who start, originally started training in ages women's only class. Now when we say women's only, there's no men allowed. I'm not allowed in that room, okay? Unless I've been invited by every single lady in that room. Not just because of Andy said it, she asked everyone. And, they could, and there was a stage, there was one woman in there who was terrified. And she would say, have a coffee with me, have a chat with me, but she's in this training environment, I couldn't be in there. She'd just freeze. Now, some of those ladies have moved on to my mixed class on a Thursday. And you couldn't say the word strangle to these women because they had been violently strangled. You just trigger them. It's their trigger, you know, when you train to strangle, you need to get strangled. There's no point resting your hands on someone's shoulders. Yeah. Don't get out of that. Which is so many, I was taught this nonsense. Going years back, martial art, get out of strangle. I've not been strangled. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. That's how we start. Huh? That's how we start, isn't it? We, yeah, yeah, we start here, we move in, we move in. These young ladies, trained us about a year. The guys are terrified of them now. You know, they're gonna do strangles. Are you okay? Are you okay training this partner? You dictate how hard this person comes in. And you hear them, harder, oh, strangle me properly. <laughs> Fucking these guys up. Next thing you know, the guys are laying on the floor going, oh, can I change park? I'll go back to training with a guy. And they love it and it's empowering. And we're not teaching them bullshit. I would not, if I see someone allowing someone to do the technique, i.e., if I say, all right, let's do a risk disengagement, and someone just grabs it softly, go, oh yeah, look at that. Okay, you're trained with me now. Okay, and I'm gonna grab your wrist like it would be in the street. But we have to build up to that. It, it's, it's a process. You know, you can't go straight in and start, you know, grabbing people hard and strangling them. You build up, it's a confidence building exercise. It's a process to learning how to get out of a real situation. But in answer to your question, and I did digress a bit, we are gonna to move to France. The plan is that Liam will be taken- That wasn't my question, that was one question. The question was, do you allow yourself to be softened by? Oh. Yeah, and I'm only coming back to it, Sean. I know, I know, because um, it's important to me, mate. All right, so, if anybody sees it with my girls, and I say my girls are Angie and my daughter, yeah. Yeah, you'll see a different side to me because they're my world, they're my life. Yeah. Um, they're my zen. They're the only people who can calm me down. The only people. If I've had a bad week, you know, imagine bodyguarding, maybe I haven't been home for three weeks, you're dealing with some dickheads, the threats, and you come home. I mean, to the point you're so mentally drained, 
you can't even string a sentence together. You know, or the front lobal brain injury will kick in, I'm slurring my words and I'm mixing words up or, you know, on my classes, it'll you know, kick in and like, right, everybody's Bob. Room of 10 people, male or female, known of for ages. Right, it's, it's bad today, guys. Everybody's Bob because I'm not going to remember your name. And they just accept it. They laugh. It's a funny thing. Yeah. Um, and I'll accept it. But the only people that can really make me feel chilled are Angie and Harley. And it could be a text from my daughter. And Angie knows if I'm in a bad space. So you're not vulnerable back around anybody yourself apart from Harley and Angie? You're not vulnerable? No, I, I think... I think. Is that because you watch on, you, you, you've got to detach your emotion when you're teaching people from letting someone close to you? What? No, do you know what? I think like it's my upbringing. Right. Quite a strict upbringing in an Irish family. You're a man, be a man. You know, that old school upbringing. Yeah. Your ladies, be ladies, act like a lady. Yeah. You know, um, I love him. My, my, my dad's the most positive person I've ever met. I love my dad's bit. Unfortunately, my mum passed away about five, six years ago. Massive traumatic loss. Probably haven't dealt with that yet properly, to be honest with you. Yeah. Being the only boy. Yeah. Um, but I had the, I had a strict upbringing. You know, there was no nonsense in the household. Yeah. Uh, you got, two warnings and the third one, you got a strap or so, you know? My, my sisters were brought up to be ladies, you know? They, they had a shower. You don't walk out of your room if you're not dressed. Don't move in the dressing gown on you. You know, get dressed, then you leave your room. You know, it's stuff like that. Yeah. Um, fantastic, I bring it. Probably something that's missing now in society, you know? Um, and I think it's probably come from that. Right. Uh, my softer side only really comes out with Angie and Harley, but I don't go out socialising. I'm not in a pub two or three times a week. I hardly ever drink. If I drink, it's a special occasion. But well, does it not help you truly appreciate what you're doing for people, mate? That's all I'm saying. Yes. And I need, I need you to realise what you're doing. It does. I, th I think it clicked a bit more after we did the session with the police last weekend. Because the police got them all to fill out forms afterwards, what they thought of the training. And I think, well, all of them were fantastic, amazing, I feel confident. But most of these women, so I feel empowered. I had confidence. And that really sunk in me. I actually thought about that quite a lot this yeah. week. And it's a really nice thing. And then Angie turned around and went, I'm so happy. And we were doing this for free, and she's like, we're about to move. To France, we're still coming back. We're still coming back doing the seminars. We're still coming back doing all the training um, now and again, and the teaching that I do for different companies. But she said, "I'm so pleased we got to do this, and we're doing it for the whole month." You know, working with the police, and the police have already approached us about coming back and doing one-day seminars. And it's just, yeah, yeah. My mum get a bit softer in my older age. You know, as I said, I'm in my fifties now, and. I don't know if I, think, I, don't, I don't know if it's that mate or just thinking a little bit more. It's like what I was saying to you about me sitting in stillness and asking myself questions in stillness. You know, mm. is it meditative? Is it what is it? Is it I don't know what you call it, but just you know, asking yourself like, how do I feel about what that person's just said to me? And just sitting there in your own thoughts and why I, I let this actually soften my heart and go in. I just feel that 
sometimes you don't let people in. Listen, it, it is what it is, but I, I want you to realise what you're doing, mate. From from an outside, what you and Andrew are doing and what you've done for my staff's like, it's fucking next level, mate. Everyone has remembered everything that you said and it changes the lives. And I just wondered if you really, truly, I know you don't, does it? Um, I think when people are literally are quite verbal about it, when they're like, yeah. you have literally changed the way I walk down the street. You know, I know, but for him to let down his guard to, like, that, to that get through, yeah. like, it's like, it's hard to get that guard down, isn't it? Yeah, he's very, very much, very old school, very alpha male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. His ways, yeah. People do say it to us a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I was teaching the Edge Weapons uh, course on Saturday afternoon after we did the lasers course. We were guys who just come and go, oh, can we do some edge weapons? It was a big problem. Knives are a problem globally. The UK's got a massive problem at the moment and South End is pretty bad. Well, we're in, we've got a place on the South End seafront. Um, so we get a lot of people come to me because I've written training programs on edge weapons awareness. And you know, I call it awareness because there's no edge weapon defense. Defense against the blade, run, get out of there. And I get people come down and the three guys, um, we had someone buzzing the buzzer. I said, look, sorry guys, just carry on with this. And I was back and said, when they come back, we'll stand there. There was no one training. And then one of them turned around and said, this is blowing my mind what you just showed me. I've been training martial arts for 15 years. And no one's ever shown me this before. And it's so basic. I go, oh. but I think, I don't know if it's an arrogance or the shield I have up, but I'm only teaching what I've experienced and what I know. I have a subject knowledge which I am passionate about yeah. and I've got real world experiences in this and I'm just sharing it. And I'm not doing it for people to turn around and put me on a pedestal, I'm not doing it so when people blow wind up my ass. There's a lot of people who disagree with what I do. I don't care. You know, the facts are the facts. I base everything on science and my own world experiences. Um, but more and more, Angie points it out quite a bit. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's, it's nice, it's, it's rewarding. Because I was a big, big owner and now I'm not. We're just doing something because we enjoy doing it. Yeah. And that's that's the reward. I'm, I'm not even funny, but when you've got a lady who's got restraining orders, who's gone through hell for years, sitting on your couch and telling us how to change the world. You know, having a cup of coffee and going, you've changed my world. You've changed how I look at things. I can now walk down the street in the daytime more aware and less scared. Um, I feel that I'm ready to, you know, mix with men again, socialize with people in a busy environment, walk into a restaurant, walk into a bar, just walk out the house on their own. For someone who's never experienced these issues and I'm quite a confident people person, yeah. We can't put ourselves in that one situation. Yeah, there's no we you can't empathise with that. Mindset. No, no. And um, that, not at a time, but you know, it does play in my mind. You know, I wake up, I don't sleep once. I wake up in the night going, fuck. Yeah. That's fucking huge. Oof, fucking hell, Angie's, what was it, empath empathic? Yeah, em empathetic. empathetic. Yeah, yeah. Angie's empathic. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm not. Uh, I try to be, but it's not my, not my personality. I'm going to try and change who I am. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. But that, that to me is more of an acknowledgement of what we're doing is right. It's not bullshit. What we're teaching works mm. more than, 
Yeah, wow. Yeah, I think it's probably quite hard for you just to understand. I'm quite black and white. Yeah, you are, and but you just rightly said you can't put yourself in a female. This is why I hate this women's only courses and you've got two male instructors. Women, most women who start these sort of classes that we teach, they're doing it. And we had this conversation with a lovely lady who came down from rape crisis. She's the head of rape crisis. She came down to one of these courses and a female police officer's there. We said, it's just nonsense because a lot of these women who start these type of courses, they're doing it because they've had a negative experience with a male. They've been in a situation that made them really uncomfortable, mm. they feel very intimidated, or they've been assaulted. Right or wrongly, when they come into these environments, they don't want some big hairy ass guy like me, covering tattoos, six foot tall, going, right, where did they That's intimidating, it's threatening. And they're gonna look at me also and go, of course you can fucking do that. He was a bodyguard for 27 years, he's had X amount of martial arts, he's a combat trained. You know, he's six foot tall, 15 stone. Of course you can do it. You walk in the room and see my wife, Angie, yeah. very feminine, four foot 10, yeah. kicking ass. And I go, we can all fucking do it. Yeah, kicking ass. She'll bring me, I've got a pad up. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. do a hair pull, turn around, smash me in the side of Lexus. I have to wear a throat guard because she goes for the throat strike. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. We want to do this. And then I've got to leave the room again and I'll train. Yeah. Everybody needs to look up to someone. Yeah. Everybody needs some form of inspiration. Um, I think my work ethic and my inspiration comes from my father. You know, my positivity comes from my dad. The way I want to teach comes from the people who've been there, seen it, done it. Okay. If you, if I want to train women, I should have Angie in the room. Yeah, a million percent. And the reason why is I can never, ever, as a man, brought up with all women, all my cousins are female, I've got four sisters, my dad was working all the time, I was brought up by my mum, my aunts, all my sisters and female cousins around me, I will still never be able to put myself in that woman's mindset. Walking down the road, a guy walking behind her. Walking into the environment, you know, guys staring at her. You can't do it, I don't know the fuck who you are. As a man, we can't, and that's why, I don't like women's self-defense classes taught by men. I'm not saying the guy's not competent. I'm just saying yeah. there's a reason why a lot of those women there, and it's usually because some dickhead who calls himself a man, he's not a man, he's an animal, has assaulted them. Okay, so yeah, we don't do it, and it works for us, doesn't it? Yeah. It really works for us. And have you both thought about the sort of scale of what you're doing? Have you, have you both sort of sat together and thought, you're actually changing the system here. You're actually the disruptors. You know, that's what I love about you both, that you are disruptors in this space. Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you realise that? I'm... Because it's I been changing, you like. Angie. This is massive, isn't it, what you're doing? Yeah. But Angie do you both kind of... Angie is really... In what she does, the way she teaches, the no bullshit approach she has, mm. um, as is changing the system. Yeah. Okay. And that's not us saying it. You don't see Ange coming, do you? Sorry. You don't see her coming, do you? That's what I love about Ange. You don't see her coming. Oh, she's you, like a psychotic Jack Russell. Yeah, yeah, sports. yeah. And that's what I love about it because, like, people are expecting this lovely way. Okay, we're going to get taught, and then I, and then you're just like, oh shit, I need to fucking change your mindset here. 
Yeah. That's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah. It's what people aren't teaching. You know, it's a mindset. Yeah. So Angie's like this, he goes, you've got to fuck him up. Yeah. What are you worried about? The law states you're allowed to use force to defend yourself. And then we quote the law. We give handouts on what the law says. You know, we discuss what reasonable means. We've put it on paperwork. We break it right down for people. We go, what? Angie's first, when Angie was teaching the martial arts side, she wanted to um, do women's self-defense. And her seafood's at the martial arts, like, oh, no, that's rubbish, it'll never work. Why did they say that? Fuck knows why they said it. Just because they're stuck in the wrong way. Angie didn't want to talk about it. Well, it's, Angie's not saying it, is yeah, it? Yeah, Angie's not in the podcast. Angie's not, no, she's not. They said to me it would never work. And I said, bullshit. For women, by women. That's it. Get a woman teaching the women. Okay? Let her talk from her point of view. So if you train in different martial arts, I'll give you an example of this. So me and Angie talk about this all the time, okay? If you do certain martial arts, when you get to a brown belt or black belt, you're talking seven years down the line till you get to a brown belt, yeah. they think, oh, you could do this, and you've got to do throat strikes and eye strikes. If you train street combatants, it's the fucking first thing you learn. Yeah. I mean, like, why are women training for seven years to learn how to do a throat strike? One of the first things Angie teaches. Why are we messing about with this? Martial arts is martial arts. It's a system. Yeah. It's a sequence. Okay? Self-defense is self-defense. Two different things. And I always say this. Martial arts is about form. Self-defense is about function. It doesn't have to look good. It's just got to work. And that's what Angie teaches. Yeah. She's like, well, if you, you want to learn a martial art from Angie, fine. She'll go through the system, paint by numbers. You want to come in and learn self-defense? Angie goes, forget that. It won't work in a high-stress situation. Just fucking bang them in the front. And they're like, oh. She, what, you're being strangled. It's a threat to life. And then she goes, under Section 3.1 of Criminal Law Act, under Article 2 of the Human Rights Act, you have the right, bang in the throat, and they're like, the other day you were talking about it, and they're like, oh, that? You've got a room full of women, I think half of them had done self-defense before, they went, didn't know that. And the police officer's going, and the, the rape crisis lady's in the room, she's going, fantastic. You've gone through physiology. How you your body really react. She's gone through the law, yeah, what yeah, your yeah, rights yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, and then you've just stripped it straight down. Yeah. Gross motor skills. Just getting rid of the bullshit. And she, and she just cuts from the bullshit. It's different me saying it. Yeah. We can say exactly the same thing. It's not going to Yeah, it's delivered differently from her. That's why I say they don't see Ange coming. And it, it, it's more impactful coming from her. It, it, it's a lot more impactful. And she has a way of wording it. Yeah. You know, she's... There's no swearing in it, mean. Oh, well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> she's... Um, women understand women. Yeah. You know, they're just... Also, old books say men are from Mars, women from Venus, or what it is. We are different creatures, and Angie's a female teaching females. Okay, she has a way of doing it, she knows how to deliver it to them, and she is changing it. She's changing the women's self defense world. Me, I'm throwing a few spanners in the fucking works. Yeah, well, you've probably seen from our Instagram posts yeah. and all that going, stop doing this, it's bullshit. Yeah, 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 and I don't mind that. Yeah. We've had we've had response. Oh, you're fucking talking bollocks! And the, the, the response I always give is the club address yeah. and the times and down. Come down! I am welcome to learn. 
It's not that I'm going to do anything, but if you say I'm wrong, please come down and teach me, show me. Because we should all be learning. If I'm doing it wrong, show me. And I go, but we film it all. And whatever the result is, we put it on social media. In two years, no one's ever fucking turned up. But I don't, it's not me being trying to be clever. I genuinely want to learn from my peers. Yeah. I still travel, I still go to people's courses. I want to go to America next year and train with a couple of great people. You're, you know, some phenomenal instructors out there. How much do you let yourself lose properly on your social media? No, I don't. What's the reason for that, apart from Ange telling you not to do it? Besides Ange and my daughter, yeah. people are too fucking sensitive nowadays. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not, you know, I want to give my opinion across. You know, I don't turn around and go, this person's shit, that system's shit. Because mm. in my opinion, there's no bad martial art. They've all got things to offer. Yeah. It's just that a whole system may not work for that person. Yeah. You know, if you if you want to do groundwork, BJJ or jujitsu in general. You know, Gleamer, Viking wrestling goes down to the ground at all. If you want to do trapping and striking, have a look at Wing Chun or Carla. You want to do striking, boxing, footwork, boxing. You know, they've all got something to offer. Bruce Lee. Huh? Bruce Lee. Well, Bruce Lee's a prime example of it. You know, he's he's just well ahead of his time. And he said, this works for me. It's not a system as such. It's just, this works for me, try it. And he took bits, I mean, he was fencing, he was wrestling, he was boxing. He used to watch old black and white boxing um, fights in reverse. You know, it, the, the guy was well ahead for his name, but he just didn't want to follow this blinkered look at combatives because in a real world situation, if I chained Wing Chun, what are the chances of me getting into a street situation where the other person is doing Wing Chun? It doesn't matter if it's another art, it's Jiu Jitsu or whatever. We all train against the same person doing the same art. So we're predicting what they can do based on our training in the sterile environment. But I'm probably not gonna fight against a person like that. You know, we need to take into account alcohol, drugs, peer pressure, and the person just isn't gonna adopt a martial arts stance. I've been in, I said this in one of my recent courses, I was a full-time bodyguard for 27 years. That's full-time, that's all I did. The first knife was pulled on me under the age of 11, by walking down Ilford Lane. Three guys walked up to me, teenagers older than me, and just put a knife under my neck. I know I was under 11 because we moved house at 11 when I was 11 years old. They stuck it under my neck here. And I was like that. And I just said, oh, I've got one of them. And that was it. And they laughed and walked off. Okay. <laughs> That's it, you know. Oh, we, oh. Yeah, exactly, but you know, probably verbally, and I don't remember shit myself, but I'm pretty sure I was puckering up. But, and that, it's just, the world's very different to what it is in this training environment. Yeah. You know, and I've been training, I started karate at the age of nine, so I've been karate for two years. Did I do anything? Did I fuck? You know, I know so many black belt martial artists who've had their ass handed to them 
in a fight outside a pub. Yeah. You know why? So they didn't train for the streets. Yeah. They didn't train for realism. So I don't know where we were. I probably digressed a bit. No, that's right. I just um, what you're gonna do next? What's the next step for Victor's now? What's the you're moving to France? You're doing online courses. So all the courses that I've written, which are CPD certified, nationally recognised, they're going online. Um, I've done a very basic introduction to self-defence uh, course, which will be going online probably the end of the month, mid-September, um, looking at common types of attacks and our opinion on how to get out of them. And Angie's just about to do her one design for women. It's the same sort of defensive techniques, but it's more um, tailored towards women. So that'll be coming out in the September, maybe. Um, we have a house in France. We're looking for another place and we want to do bespoke four day, one week. Amazing. Um, training. Now that I will have... Like a training camp retreat style. Yeah, but not like... You're sick that, wasn't it? Yeah, but not like, getting up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, drop your cots, grab your socks out the door. It's, um, it's going to be chilled, you know? It's... Uh, <laughs> you shaking your head. Who says that? Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's going to be... Look, these are options. This Today we're going to look at edge weapons, you yeah. know? And we're going to look at the reality of edge weapons. We're going to look at self-defense. We're going to look at different martial arts. So I'll invite good martial artists to come out and, you know, if you want to do BJJ, I'll get a martial art, a BJJ guy out. If you want to do sticks, a bit of Carly sticks, which I love, um, edge stuff. If you want to get bodyguards to come out. I'm working with a great company out in France called Euro Tactical. Um, you know, get people down there to learn firearms. You know, these fucking people in the UK teaching firearm defense, they've never picked up a gun in their life. They have no idea what they're talking about. So, you know, just train people, be real. Yeah. Um, there's gonna be the um, the calming side of it. So Angie will still be teaching women self-defense. You'll still be yeah. teaching martial arts. I like the mindfulness side of it and you're putting the like, what? the mindfulness side, and the well, psychology and Angie putting like in. things and things like so that. So Angie on. will also be teaching Qigong. Yeah. Um, which is a lot more calming, breathing exercises. Really, really good for everybody um, for all ages. Yeah. Right up to 80s and 90s. She'll also have an online course coming with that soon, later in the year or beginning of next year. But people can come out, they can train with me and do the whole calming session in the end. Um, we'd start off maybe with healthy healthy meals, you know, juices, Angie's into all the sort of nutrition and everything. In the evening, get a glass of wine and get pissed. Enjoy it. Enjoy life. Yeah. Swap, swap ideas, swap stories. But be real, you know. None of this monkey see, monkey do nonsense. You know, he says it works, it must work. If, how do people get in touch with you both? That will be through social media. We're on um, Evictus Training, I think, on Facebook. I don't know, I don't do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're on Evictus Training on Instagram. Yeah. And then we will be obviously promoing the place when we uh, find the right venue. Yeah. I think when we, when we go over there, 
Um, we will be chilling out for a while. Uh, I'll be coming backwards and forwards with Angie. We'll still be doing our seminars. Uh, I'll still be training bodyguards. Um, Angie will still be doing her women's seminars, women's safety seminars, one-day seminars on women's safety. Uh, we will still be working with different local governments, uh, Essex Police have asked us to come back. So we're still going to be busy. It's just that uh, we're going to be a bit more of a yeah. better quality of balance. Sorry? A balance. Yeah, that, the whole yin and yang. Yeah, because yeah, I'm very yang. Very young. Yeah. Very young. And Angie's very yin, so her crazy matches my crazy and it sort of works. I'm wrapping the podcast up. Appreciate both of you. Love both of you so much. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks for Amazing. Thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye.